Welcome to New City Church. This is Matt Freeman, and we are so thankful you are studying the Word of God with us. Jesus founded New City after our forever home, the New Jerusalem from Revelation 21. He wrote our mission statement to foster, strengthen, and grow an unashamed bride looking for Jesus' return. Let's lean completely on the anointing of the Holy Spirit to teach us all things from 1 John 2.27. God is so eager to teach you the depth of his word. Enjoy the study. Every one of them. In 
In Psalms 40, verse 7, Jesus says, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. And remember how John opens up, in the beginning was the word. So Jesus is the entire word of God. And we just finished celebrating what a lot of us refer to as the Passion Week. That's what we kind of call this generically in the church, the Passion Week, which starts with his ascent on the donkey to his resurrection, that seven-day period, the week that changed all of human history. So biblically, it's called the Passover, and the Passover is instituted in Exodus 12. So you go all the way back to Exodus you all remember the story. They're in Egypt under bondage. There's these plagues that the Lord goes and, and declares on Egypt over and over and over, finally culminating with the death of the firstborn. But there was a way out. There was a Passover. And so in Exodus 12, starting the first three verses here, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. Now this is going to be important. When we get to the date and the timing of Jesus's ascent on the donkey, his crucifixion, and then his resurrection. We're going to talk about that later. The beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And it goes on. And if the household be too little for the lamb... Let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Important, without blemish. A male of the first year, ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. So they start this process on the 10th day of the month, the 10th of Nisan on the Jewish calendar. They keep it without a blemish until the 14th. Okay, the 14th, so four days later. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So it is slaughtered on the 14th. Four days later, the lamb is to be slaughtered. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. So the lamb's without blemish. And once it's killed, you were to be covered with that blood, your household. You put it on your doorpost, you put it on your lentils, you are to cover your household. Okay, and it goes on, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire. Fire always speaks of judgment in a typology here. His head with his legs, and with the prudence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it shall Till the morning you shall burn with fire, and thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So this is where it's instituted right here in Exodus 12. So get the picture. They were to take the lamb without a blemish, inspect it on the tenth day of the month, save it four days, slaughter it, and then cover their household with the blood and the only requirement to be saved from the death of the firstborn was that you were covered by the blood. That was it. If you were in a house covered by the blood, you were saved. It didn't matter your nationality, your ethnicity, your gender, where you were from, what you believed. All you had to do was be covered with the blood. 
So, and notice at the end here what the Lord says. He adds this interesting comment or interesting instruction. The loins girded. So you were to do this in preparation for action. The loins girded, it's a reference back in ancient times. They, look, they wore those long robes. They would take the robe and they would tuck it in their belt so that it didn't get in the way of some physical activity they had to go do. That was girding their loins, being ready for action. Shoes on their feet, staff in hand, ready to go. Okay, so the Lord says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. It's interesting when you go and you study each of the plagues in Egypt, what God brought on them. Each one was a judgment against a God they worshipped. Okay, including all the way up here to the Lamb. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So the only saving option was the blood. There was no other saving option. There was no other way out. There was no escape. There was nothing you could do except be covered by the blood. And it's the exact same for us today. Right? The only way out, the only way to have fellowship with the Most High God is to be covered with the blood. It's the only condition to having a saving relationship with the Lord. From there starts the sanctification process where you get to know Him and you draw closer to Him and become more and more and more like Him as you obey His Word and study His Word and get to know Him. So when we get to the Gospels, there are many times that people try to take Jesus and make him a king. You fast forward through all these events in the Old Testament, and you get there, and he always slips away. He has some other errand to run. Something else happens. You know, John 6, for example, he says, mine hour has not yet come. But in one event, Jesus not only allows it, he arranges it. He sets it up. Okay, and we call it the triumphal entry, which is a bit of a misnomer because it's really him being inspected as the Lamb of God without blemish, just like the Passover. Okay, it's not the triumphal entry yet when he triumphantly enters Jerusalem in Revelation 19. Then he sets up his kingdom. That's going to be the ultimate triumphal entry. This is his entry to be inspected as the Lamb. <laughs> He allows it. He arranges it. And his ascent on the donkey was to begin the fulfillment of the Passover. So this week-long feast, starting on the 10th day of Nisan and culminating in the 17th day of Nisan. So it was to start that Passover week. And you see this connection in John 1. The next day John saw, saw Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God. That's a Passover term. So John recognized him as the Lamb of God, as the Passover Lamb. In 1 Corinthians 5, it says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And so, you go even further in the New Testament, and God makes this connection for you that he is the Passover. And Jesus fulfilled a lot of prophecies in the events of the Passion Week. There, you could come up with dozens and dozens of things he fulfilled. We're going to look at some of them. But it starts with Zechariah 9.9. 9. 
Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, upon the colt, the foal of an ass. So here's Zechariah predicting that Jesus would be riding in on a donkey on this day to start the Passion Week. And what Jesus says here in Matthew 21, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethpage under the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightways ye shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. He brings two. He brings two donkeys, the mom and the baby. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the full of an ass. So this is, even in Matthew, he links it to Zechariah. He doesn't tell you which prophet. You have to go track that down. But it's linking to Zechariah 9.9. So as Jesus rides in on the donkey, the people are singing Psalm 118. And you remember, they all lay down the palm branches. It's a specific type of palm branch, which is unique. But they're laying down these palm leaves, and they're singing Psalms 118. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. And so God is so precise in everything he does. And his word is so pure and true. The timing of the world's most pivotal moment in all of human history Okay, this moment where he rides in and declares that he is the king, he's the lamb to be inspected. Okay, it had to be deliberate. It had to be at a deliberate timing. And indeed it was. It was foretold in Daniel 9. And when the lamb was to be inspected, remember, was the 10th of Nisan. Now, just to give you a little, it's a little confusing to try to link our Gregorian calendar to the Jewish calendar because their day starts... Their next day starts at sundown, okay, in the evening, so it's shifted a little bit, but then it's also off for a lot of reasons. So, for example, the 10th of Nisan would have been last Tuesday, okay, just to give you a reference. Resurrection Day, the 17th, would have been this past Tuesday, okay, to give you a feel. So we're off slightly. So let's explore the arrival of our king as predicted in Daniel 9. So in Daniel, you have Daniel, he's taken in captivity. He's in the Babylonian captivity. He's reading his Bible, the book of Jeremiah. And in Daniel 9, 2, it says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So he's likely reading from Jeremiah 25 and 29, where God says, and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And then Jeremiah 29, a few chapters later. For thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and causing you to return to this place. So God tells them over and over, you're going to Babylon for 70 years, but I will bring you back. There's a lot of reasons why they did. One of them, they didn't let the land rest. They were supposed to till it six years and let it rest the seventh. But they didn't do that for 490 years. So God says, you owe me 70. 
And that's just one of many reasons there was idolatry worship. God was purging a lot out of them. And he even tells them in 2 Chronicles, when you go in, it's to let the land enjoy her Sabbaths. So to let the land rest because they didn't obey his word. So Daniel sets his face toward God here at this point. He realizes that the time's almost up. He goes to prayer. It's what we know as the interrupted prayer in Daniel 9. And the intensity of Daniel's prayer just picks up when you read chapter 9. As he goes through this prayer, the, the verbs increase in intensity and frequency. And he is petitioning himself and getting in a posture of worship to the Lord to praise him that the time is almost up. We're going home soon. And Gabriel interrupts Daniel. And you get Daniel 9, the last seven verses are the 70 weeks of Daniel. And it's the most miraculous prophecy, perhaps, in the Old Testament. And it's given to Daniel, and you'll see a lot of this. We're going to read it in just a second. But it's given to him, and in the prophecy, it's to finish transgression. That's a direct link to Isaiah 53. Read the whole chapter of Isaiah 53. It's all about Jesus dying for us as the substitute on our behalf, which is what we're celebrating today. To make an end of sins. Remember Jesus on the cross. It is finished. To Telestai, or paid in full, is what he says as he hangs there at the end, or at the midpoint of that week on the fourth day. Okay, so Gabriel tells Daniel, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. So notice who this is for. This is for the people, which is Daniel's people, Israel, and the holy city, which is Jerusalem, to finish transgression, to make an end of sins, to make a reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness. Okay, that clearly has not happened yet. If any of you have been paying attention to the news, everlasting righteousness is not here yet. And it's certainly not here in our leadership. But it will be when this is fulfilled in its complete fulfillment with the 70th week of Daniel. It will be, which is when Jesus returns. Okay? To bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. In other words, 62 weeks. So you have seven and 62. So combined, it's 69 weeks of time between Okay, the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, unto Jesus. Okay, riding in. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublesome times. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off or killed. Karat in the Hebrew is what it means. Slaughtered. But not for himself. So for who? For us. It's for us. It's for our families. It's for our children. It's for all of us that came before us. It's for all of us that will come after us. It's for everyone. Okay, he shall be cut off. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with the flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. So that happens after Jesus. It's actually prophesying the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD, which happens a little bit later. Okay. So to finish transgressions and to make an end of sins. That's what this is all about. So to familiarize yourself with this, the Jewish culture has three types of sevens. There's what we know as Saturday or the Sabbath, Shabbat, 
Okay, that's every Saturday, the Sabbath, Shabbat. The week of months is uh, Shavuot. Seven months would be Shavuot for them. And then the week of years, Shabuyim. So this is 70 weeks of years or Shabuyims are determined for Israel. Okay, hang with me. This is important. This will blow your mind. So 70 weeks of years are determined for Israel. So 70 times 70, you get 490 years. And remember what Jesus said. I love how he just kind of throws this into the Peter. Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. And Jesus said, no, I do not say up to seven, but 70 times seven. You know, it's a direct link. Everything in Israel is dealt with 490 year periods when you, when you go through the Old Testament. So it's amazing. Even Jesus in the subtlety has it linked there. So what does Daniel say? What does Gabriel say? Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince shall be seven and 62 weeks, or in other words, 69 weeks. Okay, when you look at this, the first seven weeks was Jerusalem to be rebuilt. That was 49 years. The next was 62 weeks, another 434 years to the Messiah. And then between the 69 weeks and the 70th is an undetermined interval of time, which we are in right now, known as the church age. Okay, the 70th week of Daniel, that final seven-year period, is what we would generically call the tribulation that seven-year period, okay? And that final seven years is to bring in everlasting righteousness. So the 69 weeks of years are between the command to restore and build Jerusalem to Messiah the Prince, or more specifically, to when he arranged to ride in on the donkey. Okay, that's the time period that Gabriel is laying out for us right here. Or in other words, 483 years. So the command to restore and build Jerusalem, the street shall be built again and the wall. He's very, God's very deliberate how he says that. See, in Ezra, it's all about rebuilding the temple. If you remember the book of Ezra, they try to rebuild the temple constantly and they can't do it. They can't get very far because they don't have a wall, which is why when you go to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is the cupbearer for the king Artaxerxes. And he is so deeply saddened because his people cannot rebuild the temple because the wall's down. And so they go, he gets the command from Artaxerxes to go do this. He was distressed. This is all in Nehemiah chapter 2. He's distressed before the king. And the king Artaxerxes makes a decree to rebuild the wall. Okay, and he tells them, go forward. And he gives them all the financial incentives to go do it. So when was that decree given? There's a guy named Sir Robert Anderson. He published a book in the late 1800s called The Coming Prince. And we're indebted to him for this, but he is the one that recognized that the Bible, God always deals in 360 day years, always. And so he did all the historical research, the documentation and everything. You can look this up, it's a matter of historical record the decree of Artaxerxes Longimanus was in March 14th of 445 BC. So from that decree to the land being inspected, okay, somehow the, the font got messed here, sorry about that, but it's 69 weeks of years. So 69 times seven will be that 483 years times 360 days a year. So you have 173,880 days to the day. And when you adjust it for leap years, 
And there's, a, there's no year zero. Remember, it goes from BC to AD, it skips to year one. So there's no year zero, and you adjust it for leap years. Jesus rides in on the day, on the donkey, that was foretold in Daniel 9, 400, 500, 600 years before this. Okay, it's amazing. And that's exactly why he arranged it at that moment to ride in on the 10th of Nisan. On our calendar is April 6th in 32 AD. But it's to the day. He didn't miss it by half a day or a day late or a day early. It's 173,880 days to the day that Jesus rides in on the donkey. And it's all linked back to the start of this Passover feast. So what happens from that point forward? You know, that starts the week where Jesus rides in. And during that next seven days, he fulfills dozens and dozens of prophecies. We could have a whole week studying every one that he fulfilled the first time. And for every one of those, there are eight at least of his second arrival. And he will fulfill every one of them exactly as laid out in the scripture. He will come back and do this. And the week is on who? It's on our behalf. Remember in Daniel? He shall be cut off, but not for himself, for us. The week is on our behalf. So he was to make a triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Zechariah 9.9, Psalms 118. The people sing Hosanna, betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. It's in Zechariah 11 and Psalms 41. And of course, from Matthew 26, you see Judas takes the 30 pieces of silver and betrays him. He's to be rejected. We saw that over and over in Psalms 118. He would be a smitten shepherd in Zechariah 13. He would be given vinegar and gall in Psalm 69. They would cast lots for his garments in Psalms 22. He'd be pierced in Zechariah 12. When he comes back, he says, they will look on me whom they have pierced. Whom they have pierced, speaking of Israel. In Psalms 22, to be reproached and mocked in Psalms 22 and Psalms 89. He was to be whipped in Psalms 129. Not a bone was to be broken in Psalms 34. Remember the Roman soldiers came to him and they were instructed to break the legs and they got to Jesus. They did it to the other two, but not to him in the middle. It's to fulfill Psalms 34. His beard would be ripped off. That's a, that's a detail of that week that you don't get in the Gospels. But in Isaiah 50, they rip off his beard. Probably not all of it, probably in patches. But you can imagine the scar tissue that would just form from doing that. Okay? In Psalms 22, the whole book of Psalms is predictive of Jesus. In Psalms 22, it's all first-person singular Jesus on the cross. So he rides in on the donkey on that 10th of Nisan, fulfilling Daniel 9. He is inspected and found without blemish. Four days later, he's crucified on the 14th of Nisan on the day of the Passover. Okay, then he is buried in the tomb and he rises again three days later on the 17th to new life. But in Psalm 22 from the cross, go home and read this. It starts out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it goes down, it's all verbatim what Jesus says on the cross. But when you get to verse six, he says something really interesting. I just find this fascinating. Jesus says, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. Again, that's one of my favorite titles of Jesus, I am. Because you get to, you fill in the blank of what you need and he is it. 
I am a worm. Now, what does he mean, a worm? In the Hebrew, it's tolah, and it means worm, crimson, and scarlet. One particular type of worm in Israel was used to make scarlet dye. Okay, it's this specific type of worm in Israel. It's used to make this scarlet dye. And the dye is made from the dried body of the female pierced. The, what happened was she would climb up and she pierced the thin bark of twigs to use the sap. And she would prepare a waxy scale. Okay? The scale would protect its body. And the red dye is the scale. So after piercing, the red dye was made. And after three days, as it dried out, it changed to white and it would flake off. And so even in the very subtlety of how God created the creation and speaks to these people over there in Israel, the worms even declare him being pierced and three days later being white as snow. And that's exactly what it is in Isaiah 118. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. The scarlet, it's a, it's a harken back to this worm from Psalms 22 and how they made dyed garments. So the week on our behalf, the 10th of Nisan, the lambs inspected on the donkey. This is Saturday. The 11th of Nisan, the fig tree was cursed. The 12th, the conspirators counseled. The 13th is the Last Supper. And at the Last Supper, remember that Passover cup, it was to be filled four times in Jewish tradition to celebrate the Passover. And those four cups represented Exodus 6, verses 6 and 7 of what God would do for them in deliverance out of Egypt. There were four things God laid out there. And if you remember, Jesus stops in the middle of it and says, I will, no, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until we are gathered together. So Jesus is waiting for this last Passover cup until we are with him. Once we are with him, it's going to be the greatest celebration ever. But the next day is the crucifixion, the Passover lamb for us, the feast of unleavened bread the next day. The women prepare the spices on the next day, on Friday, and then the resurrection on Saturday and Sunday is when they run to the empty tomb and find it open and empty, if you remember that. So on, that was on that Sunday. And even the final day is predictive, the 17th of Nisan. So you go all the way back to Genesis 8-4, the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. This is after the flood of Noah. And what happened was Nisan used to be the seventh month on the Jewish calendar. And remember when we read Exodus 12 a little bit ago? It shall be the first of months to you. So God switches it where they have a religious calendar and a celestial calendar. But it's the same day in the same month that Jesus rose from the dead. Is the same day in the same month that Noah's ark rested and he exited the ark on earth. It's the exact same day. And so Jesus's resurrection was on that anniversary. So our new beginning in him was the earth's new beginning, Noah's new beginning on planet earth, what, 4,000 years before that? Thousands and thousands of years before that. It's amazing. God has it all integrated. And when you realize you have this filter that every single bit of it speaks of him, it makes your Bible study just come alive. And so appropriate the blood. That week, there is so much that happened that week. And when you read in Psalms, there's some events that happen where Jesus is mocked in the tavern by these men as a child. So 
What he endured for us wasn't just that week. It was even before that. Remember the temptation? Satan tempted him for 40 days. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. They called him his father was of the devil. Remember, he was mocked continuously, but it just increased and increased and increased until that final week, his final week, the pivotal moment in all of human history was this week. It's the very time that man, we as man even write history and chronicle history around this time. This is it. This was the fulcrum of the entire universe. So appropriating the blood. If you do not know Jesus, if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus and want to make sure you have a throne room passport, it's simple. It's very simple. Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's it. You cannot add to it and you can't take away from it. That's why he said it is finished. It's paid in full to tell us Okay, once you get saved, that is when the relationship starts and you get to grow in your faith and walk with him and lean on him and trust him in all things. You can make sure you've got a ticket, a one-way ticket to the throne room. I'm going to be there. I know my family is going to be there, and we'd love to see all of you there. And if you're watching online, please be there. So take your place in the bride of Christ and do not delay. Isaiah 118, here's that verse. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And so reasoning together in the book of Amos, God says, how can two walk together lest they be in agreement? So you have to be in agreement with God in order to reason with him. And to be in agreement with him is to say, Lord, you paid for it all. I had nothing to do with it, and I'm appropriating it to my life. I'm appropriating the blood of the Passover lamb to my life. That's, he fulfilled all of it on our behalf, all the way down to the very timing. God is so precise. So with that, we'll close in prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that we get to come before you. We thank you that, God, you are our Passover. God, we thank you that we are celebrating the resurrection today. For without it, there is nothing else. And Lord, we pray for all of those watching online. We pray that the word, your word, God, would pierce their heart. And that, Lord, you would be with us as we leave this place. Be with our families and give us guidance in all that we do, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So one, one quick thing. I, I forgot to mention this. Just one quick thing. At the resurrection, uh, Jesus lays that cloth. I learned this yesterday, so I was excited to share with everybody. He lays the cloth on the, the rock, and it's folded, and I'm indebted to Randy's dad. He shared this with me yesterday, and we looked it up, and it's true. I did not know this, but at dinner, if a Jewish man, if the master would wad up his napkin or his linen cloth and throw it away, it meant he was not coming back. But if he got up from the table and he folded it neatly and laid it, it meant, I will come back. And that's what he was doing in that moment in the tomb. It meant... I will be back, so I'll be back to get you. And that's exactly what he said in John 14, right? I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, will I not come again to take you so that you are where I am? So the whole thing is about you, 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 and he died for you, and he died for me, and he died for us, and he is coming back. And when we 
gather together next week, we're going to start unpacking what is that final 70th week of Daniel all about. So we covered the first, first 69 weeks. This is for him to show up and die on our behalf. Okay, then the clock is going to start for that final seven-year period when some very specific biblical things happen. So we'll start unpacking that next week. God bless. You guys have a great day.